Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit BiteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, we will be talking about leading the way in preventing child sex trafficking with Jan Edwards. Over the past two years, there has been a massive increase in online child enticement and exploitation, along with teen depression, self-harm, and suicide. Children are isolated, lonely, afraid, and looking for connection with others. Predators know this and are intentionally targeting children everywhere. There are many organizations that help recover children from forced slavery. There are fewer that are focused on the exploitation of children. Paving the Way Foundation has taken on this mission in a big way. Headed by founder Jan Edwards, Paving the Way Foundation is committed to empowering communities to be a fierce disruption in the cycle of child trafficking and online online exploitation through highly engaging and empowering educational programs. Starting with its award-winning film, Trapped in the Trade, the organization takes, on, takes the audience through one girl's journey of being targeted, groomed, recruited, and trapped into into being sold for sex. For more information, you can visit the foundation website, which is www.pavingthewayfoundation.com. And also, um, you can find uh, more information about the film by visiting www.trapfilm.com. Okay, good day, Jan. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, Robert. Totally my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it is my pleasure. And, you know, this is one of those shows about a topic that we need to do. It's important. But for a lot of people, it's an uncomfortable topic. But but we need to do it. So, uh, yes. Let's first, yeah, let's first start with um, what led to your interest in activism with regard to um, child enticement and exploitation? Sure. So about eight years ago, I guess we're going on close to nine now, um, I was invited to go on a medical mission in Ethiopia. And while we were coming back one day, at the end of the day, any of your listeners have ever been on a medical mission, they'll totally get what I'm about to say. You're pooped. You're done. All you want to do is take a shower, eat some food, and go to bed. You know, you've given your heart, your soul, your mind, your body, all of it, right, for other, which is very fulfilling and can be very exhausting. So we were coming home from the end of the day, and I looked out my window, and it was just a real quick moment in time. I was in the capital of Ethiopia, Addis Ababa, and I saw two older men and two younger women, and it just didn't feel right. You know, that little intuitive thing 
And um, when I got to my sponsor's house, I was like, you know, I shared with him what I saw. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, it was probably human trafficking. Like, oh, yeah, Robert, let's just go grab a cup of coffee. Like, it was weird. Wow. It was weird. You know, you got to get This is 2013, okay? Our Kelly hadn't happened. Maxwell hadn't happened. Epstein hadn't happened. Jean-Luc had, like, none of this stuff had been talked about in the public, okay? And I looked at him and I said, human trafficking, I go, what are you talking about? And he said, Sam, we have 4.5 million orphans in Ethiopia. We're the number one source of human trafficking into the Middle East. And again, I paused. And I said, hang on a second. You know, because my brain, it took my brain a minute to wrap around this. I said, are you telling me people are selling people? You know, I just couldn't get it. My brain couldn't get it. And he looked at me rather incredulously, like, where have you been, right? And he goes, yeah, this is a $150 billion industry. How can you not know about this, (laughs) right? And I said, well, I live in Orlando. We're the happiest place on earth. We don't really talk about this kind of thing. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, it got laid on my heart right there. And I came home, and I did some research. And I discovered that Florida has the third highest number of calls to the National Trafficking Hotline, right behind California, then Texas. And the average age at the time of children being recruited was between 11 and 14. And I was like, okay, hang on a second. Ethiopia, I'm coming for you. I haven't forgotten about you. And i got to fix my own backyard first. So I went about talking to, because I, you know, my background is business. I worked for a large Fortune 100 company for a very long period of time. So that's my background is business. And I asked mm-hmm. questions, right, to really get a full understanding of what's wanted and needed. And so I did my market research. I talked to police officers. I talked to the FBI. I talked to Homeland Security. I talked to undercover police officers. I talked to survivors. And I asked them all the same question. What's missing in this fight against human trafficking was missing, and they all said, awareness. No one knows this is happening, so it's a little hard to educate people and tell them what to look for if they don't even know something's happening. I'm like, well, my background's in marketing and advertising. I can do that. And knowing that children were the target, my immediate thought was, ah, I'll talk to parents. They'll want to talk to me about this. Wrong. They did not. Um, much like today, I'm sure some of your uh, listeners are going, oh, this is challenging to hear. It's okay, just hang with us because I'm going to leave you with some hope. And uh, that's when it, it, like, it was like, okay, parents don't really want to have this dialogue with their kids. It's uncomfortable. It's weird. They don't fully understand it. Not a problem. I'll go talk to kids. So we've, that's really been our mission the past four years is we've gone in and educated and empowered over 16,000 young people around the country about this topic. And the thing that I love about talking to young people, in particular middle school, middle school is my sweet spot. Title one middle school, mm-hmm. even, you know, narrower down, is 
their brains are developed enough that they're cognitive of what I'm talking about. And they still, mm-hmm. like, their heart level of empathy is right there with me. They don't want this to happen to any of their friends, let alone themselves. So they become these great little abolitionists and warriors because they, they get mad. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These people are intentionally trying to use my pictures. They're trying to use me. Like, they get mad, right, which I love because it's like, let's just turn this anger right over to activism and education. You know, let's move it right over here. So they can be our voices with their friends, with their family, with their, you know, baseball buddies, with their gymnastic friends. You know, anyone that's in their surrounding vicinity now gets educated about this too because they've been educated. So that's really been our mission for the past five years and will continue to be our mission until I take my last breath or God tells me something else to do. <laughs> there you go. I, I have a feeling DC is just quite happy <laughs> with what you're doing. So, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I you know, um, I am, I am confident of that. Um, well, you know, first of all, you know, when it, you know, you indicated that awareness was kind of really what was needed. And, and you know, I, I, it's like that, uh, that meeting in, um, uh, that, that you had when, when the, the gentleman was kind of taken back that you weren't aware of the, of the mm-hmm. issue. And, you know, and it's, you know, awareness is really where it starts. I mean, you know, it, it really is. I, you have to yeah, know the existence. And, and, and I, I love that, uh, the reaction of those middle schoolers is anger, you know, and, and you talked wonderfully about Converting that into activism, channeling that to, to activism. Um, I do find that that today's youth are um, just anxious to be involved, you know, and, and anxious to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. And, you know, and what's really what's really great too about them is they're they're willing to go home and have the challenging conversation, right? Parents are all uncomfortable, mm. and kids are like, hey, we're taking this on, you know. And and so we've actually yeah. developed a, a, a um, collaborative conversation for parents. We have a great uh, toolkit on our website. It's literally called Parent Toolkit, and it gives parents some of the questions to ask their children, Right, in a way that it isn't accusatory, isn't a, you know, frightening way, but it's really a way to begin the conversation. And we also do a monthly parent tech talk. I have one coming up this Thursday. And, you know, we bring experts from around the country and around the world, quite frankly, in how do we talk to our parents about this? So I find people with a particular expertise. They share their background and what they've seen and what they've experienced, and then we talk about, okay, so now you're in front of a group of parents. What do you want to tell them? How do you want to educate them on what to say with their kids? And they're all on YouTube and they're all on my Facebook page because we're just really committed that we continue to put out powerful ways to have conversations with our kids about this topic because the more we talk about it, the less uncomfortable it becomes, just like domestic violence, right? Domestic violence was a no-no. Nobody talked about it. It's just kind of what happened behind closed doors. Well, no, I'm sorry. People are getting hurt. Okay. 
stop doing that. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same kind of uncomfortable dialogue. And then you give the environment of the past two years, it's exacerbated it. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, right, has seen an increase of online enticement of 98% from 2019 to 2020, an additional 28% on top of that from 2020 to 2021. So I like to give people facts and stories because that's how our brain remembers things, okay? So I'm going to give your listeners three numbers, and then I'll do some follow-up information about those numbers so they can remember it. Eight, 10, and 21, okay? Eight. It takes less than eight days to groom and recruit a child online to send an inappropriate picture. Wow. That's how fast these predators work. You've got to remember two things. One, our children's prefrontal cortex, the decision-making part of their brain, isn't fully developed until they're between 28 and 32. Yeah. So snap decisions happen all the time. And parents don't fully understand that, and so they assume our children should know better. Well, they don't know better because no one's having this conversation with them. That's why this conversation is so important, right? Two, mm -hmm. the second number I gave you is 10. The average age of online enticement is between 10 and 13. So we're talking as early as fourth grade that the child's got a smartphone and it has apps for games on it and a chat feature, we've just put our children not only in touch with the world, but the world in touch with our children. And their brains aren't fully developed. They don't know how to discern this kind of, of appropriate behavior versus inappropriate behavior because we're over-sexualizing our children. They think it's normal, right? And now mm -hmm. they're making decisions quickly and putting not only themselves in danger, but their future in danger. Because the moment you send an inappropriate picture, there is no getting that back. Yeah. No wow. getting that back. It's gone. It's gone forever. And children forget that. And when yeah. I'm standing in front of college kids or high school kids, right, the conversation oh, we yeah. have is there have been there have been two professional ball players, one in football, one in baseball, that lost their multi-million dollar contracts because of something they did 10 or 12 years ago, stupid on social media. It was videotaped, mm -hmm. was photographed, whatever. Yeah. You know? Wow, that's the, last the bottom line. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. yeah, you know, my dad, My so my dad was a Navy pilot, very wise man, and he used to say to me, as I was getting older, uh, you know, when, if you're about to do something, I want you to pause for a moment and think, if this was photographed, would it damage my future? Kept me out of a lot of trouble, my friend. <laughs> it kept me out of a lot of trouble. And when I was in college, we didn't have phones like we have today, right? So, <laughs> mm -hmm. kept me out of a lot of trouble. The third number, 21. There's um, an organization called the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and they reported 21.7 million child sexual abuse material reports last year. 
21.7 million. That's a big number. And if you start to do the math, that's every two seconds. Every two seconds. Somebody's uploading a picture. And this is not just a picture of a, of a new child. These are pictures of children being abused and raped. Mm -hmm. So yeah, child is, sexual abuse material is uh, not child pornography. No child chooses this. However, the environment right. we're currently in makes them think it's okay because, quote, everyone's doing it. Over 40% yeah. of Thorne just some great research. Over 40% of young people between the ages of 9 and 17 think it's okay to share new pictures. <laughs> that's pretty scary. Yeah. I mean, that's a it lot is. of activity. Yep, and that's why I'm so adamant about doing what I do. Because no one yeah. has this conversation with their kids. And we have to. It's right up there with smoking and drinking and drugs now. Yeah. Well, that, that is, that, again, that's just crazy. Um, now, um, one of the, one thing that I found, um, interesting, you know, kind of going along with the idea of uploading and that type of thing, um, on, on your website and under the Team Tech Talk, um, yes. uh, link, um, you have, you list, um, apps and games that predators use to recruit teens. And looking mm -hmm. at the, like, 15 top ones there, I mean, it's like the most popular. I mean, Twitter, YouTube, OnlyFans, Instagram, Fortnite, you know, it's Minecraft. Discord, I mean, I'm not Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Here's the thing, that so any, that, any app or game that's got a chat feature, Put your kid at risk. Because okay. you, you really got to think about the device I'm holding in my hand, in reality, is an interstellar device. Did you know you can talk to the International Space Station on your iPhone? <laughs> okay. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. It's literally an interstellar device. And because of the Internet, and all these apps like WhatsApp and Signal and Messenger, the world has access to your child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it makes um, keeping your child safe a very much more difficult task. It um, really, really does. And that's why having the dialogue having the conversation. Yeah. So that's why I like to share facts because it's really simple for a parent to be like, hey, so listen to the show today. And they were talking about child trafficking and online exploitation. And this woman gave this most fascinating stat, you know, piece of information, that it takes less than eight days. Child send an inappropriate picture, quite frankly, to a stranger who they think is a friend. Mm. Have you ever heard anything about that? And then as a parent, you just shut up. 
Just be quiet. Yeah. And then the kid's going to say whatever your child's going to say, right? And then right behind that, it's like, honey, I just want you to know, they're intentionally targeting you. So if you've ever done anything, like sent something or engaged with in a conversation with someone you don't know personally, it's okay. It's not your fault. You can come talk to me about this anytime. Have you ever gotten a DM from a stranger? Question mark. And again, shut up. And you'll see, you just got to pay attention. Are they squirmy? Are they shocked? Are they defensive? Are they dumbfounded? Are they like, what are you talking about, right? That's going to give you a sense of where to go in the conversation. And again, you just want to reassure your child, you've got their back. Because parents, I'm telling you, they don't know. They really, really, really don't. And it's our job as the adults in their life to lovingly and gently educate them about this so we can protect them and keep them safe and empower them. Because we want the moment you educate your kid about this, they're going to start noticing things that they've never seen before. They're going to start noticing how many weird DMs they get from people they don't know. The number of pictures. We work with teenagers, right, on the daily. And these kids are getting bombarded with 8 to 10 inappropriate pictures, requests for inappropriate pictures, or messages every single day. That's you know, and, and if approached so many times, it, it kind of would wear, I would think, it would, might wear one down who, who, to do something what one might normally not do. Bingo. Yeah, all it takes is that one bad day, right, where your boyfriend breaks mm-hmm. up with you or your girlfriend gets, up, you know, upset with you, your mom or your dad yells at you, and you get a C on a test. So all it takes is one, in the current environment, all it takes is one bad day. And here on my little Insta feed is this cute boy or pretty girl saying, hey, you're cute. We have a lot in common. We should talk. And in that moment of weakness, because they're upset, they're hurting emotionally, they don't have anybody to talk to, they're like, yeah, I could do someone to talk to. And then it's off to the races. And these predators are literally fishing for content. They send out the same message to hundreds of children every day, waiting for one to bite. Politics? Yeah. So what are the um, kinds of tactics, you know, recruitment kinds of tactics, you know, I mean, other than, you know, building that, I mean, building that friendship quickly, you know, because it seems that, you know, eight days is, is not very long at all. Look, our, yeah, our kids are desperate for connection, Robert. Hmm. They're desperate for it, right? Our parents are working extra long hours. They're stressed out, given the current environment, right? Our country's never been more divisive amongst itself. Like, we keep dividing and keep dividing and keep dividing. It's really, like, it looks like a really scary world out there, and there's no one to talk to. One person to be like, hey, I saw you were at XYZ concert the other night. I was there, too. What would you think? Hey, I was at ABC soccer tournament. 
last week. I was there too. How did your team do? Mm-hmm. So they because look, we put our whole world on social media. People know yeah. where we go. People know where we eat. People know who our friends are. They know everything. So they're going to comb through our threads and find a common moment. Mm-hmm. And they look normal. You know, I, I get followed all the time by people that are following 1,900 people, have, you know, 100 people follow them in one post. Okay, I know mm-hmm. who you are. I'm not going to engage with you. But our kids don't know that. It's a good-looking guy, a pretty girl. They're not looking at the numbers. They're looking at, I'm sad, I'm upset, I want someone to talk to. And because you're dealing with an adult, teenage brain, right, the analogy I use, Robert, if you and I, well, first of all, I have a question. Are you a tennis player? No, but I understand. Okay, great. I mean, I have played. Okay, no, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You're not a world-class tennis player. Perfect. So if you and I were to go to the U.S. Open and Serena Williams is on center court and we're in the audience and she goes, Robert, come on down. I want to play tennis with you. Who's going to win that game? I would guarantee she would. <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. So now let's yeah. move that same analogy over to the online environment. You've got a middle-aged adult engaging with a 14-year-old child. Who's going to win that game? Yeah. Yes, we will win. They know exactly what to say. They know exactly how to manipulate. They know exactly how to make the child feel loved and wanted and needed. Because in reality, Robert, that's what we all want. We all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted for who we are as we are. We all want to be part of something. It's human nature. And that's the tactics they use. If they create this familiarity in the first couple of days, and then they'll share something like, you know, my mom yelled at me last night for blah, 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 and I just don't know who to talk to. Do you have a minute? Sure. So blah, 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 blah. They talk, you know. And then, of course, in the middle of those conversations, yeah, my mom's done that to me too. And so now then that child starts sharing. Things that they probably wouldn't share with anybody else. You know, they've interviewed kids that have been exploited and were groomed. And they're like, I told this person things I hadn't told anybody. Because they felt so close and connected to them. Yeah. Now, the uh, children, um, would it... Be fair to say that those children most vulnerable are those that are least connected. I mean, you know, and nothing to do with, um, you know, uh, status or you know, race or you know, finance. And is it just across the board that uh, absolutely, it's absolutely, there. You know, it, it knows no socioeconomic meaning money. Demographic meaning age or geographic meaning location. It knows no boundary. There are women in their 40s being exploited. There are kids in their, you know, in 10 to 11 being exploited. There are young boys being exploited. There are young girls being exploited. It's all about the content because there are people out there that will pay for literally everything. Everything. And so what they want, yeah. Nick on their website said that 
most of these predators just want content to buy, sell, or trade what they want. And they'll get mm -hmm. more of it because the moment that inappropriate picture leaves that child's phone, they've got them. Because now it's, okay, if you don't keep sending me pictures, I'll send the pictures that you sent me out to your entire social network. That's mortifying mm -hmm. for a child. So that's where the threats and manipulation and coercion comes in. And that's where they get the guilt going, embarrassment with the child, going, well, you sent the picture. You didn't have to. Mm -hmm. Right? Having the child doubt themselves and making the child feel like it's their fault when it's not. They've been manipulated. They've been coerced. It is not their fault. They didn't know. Now, do... Do they, do, do they identify as victims? I mean, you know, when, when a child does it, does it kind of get to the point where maybe there's that threat of retribution from a predator that, you right. know, would kind of continue? Um, is it maybe at that point that they find them, child would identify as a victim? Or let's just talk a little bit about the, being aware that one is a victim. Well, until you actually know what's happening, you don't know you're a victim. And that's why talking okay. to our kids is so important, right? They don't know because they think it's their fault. And, mm -hmm. and the, you know, and look, it's going to be super strange. <laughs> our bodies are designed to have sex, okay? And what can happen with a child is they can overpleasure, overpleasure, stimulate all the parts of the brain, right? And they start to get convinced that they wanted it. So there's no um, way you're going to tell them they're a victim. No way. No, I wanted it. It felt good. I liked it. I liked the attention. I liked the money. I liked the fill in the blank. You know, that's why platforms like OnlyFans is so dangerous. You know, Snapchat after dark. You've got kids in their houses doing sexual acts at age, you know, 11, 12, 13, on a video cam and getting paid for it. Mm. Wow. And and if you're in an underdeveloped or an underserved community, right, where you're maybe a single family, single parent household, uh, a parent might be in jail or prison, okay? And mm. someone's going to pay you ten, fifty, a hundred, a hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars. That's a lot of money for that child. And so for parents to start looking for, right, my kids got a new pair of Air Jordans. I didn't buy those. Where'd they get them? <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah. Well, my child's got a new cell phone. I didn't buy that. You know, where did that money come from? Or groceries show up on the front door. Well, I didn't order those because I can't afford those. Where'd they come from? You know, so it's these little subtle things for parents to look out for, new jewelry, new clothes, you know, a purse. And there's this whole privacy conversation, Robert, that, you know, kids will be like, well, it's an invasion of my privacy. Well, no, it's not. One, you're not an adult. Two, your parents pay for the house, the food, and your cell phone. Technically, they own everything you live in. So there is no 
privacy inside that environment. It's my job as your parent. I signed up for this. I gave birth to you. It's my job to protect you and keep you safe. Now, I'm not going to invalidate you, right, and I'm not going to be a jerk mm-hmm. about it. And I reserve the right to look through your closet once a week. <laughs> I reserve the right to have these kinds of conversations with you so I don't have to feel like it's invading your privacy. You know, I work with a lot of parents, and they're developing the skills to be able to have very wide-open conversations with their kids for their kids to know that they've got a safe place to go. And there's other kids that don't have that. And so educating the teachers and the coaches and the counselors and the social workers about all of this so our kids do have a safe place to go because home might not be safe. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're uh, more than halfway through the show, Jan, so I want to take just a quick break. Um, and I want to invite callers, if you are listening, if you want to call in, uh, you can call at 619-789-4359 if you have any questions for Jan. Um, and then when we come back from Greg Jan, I want to talk um, about the award-winning film that you created called Trapped in the Trade, okay? Absolutely. Okay, everyone stay tuned. We'll be back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5 by 7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. Our special guest is Jan Edwards, and we're talking about leading the way in preventing child sex trafficking. www.pavingthewayfoundation.org, and you can find out more about the film that we're about to talk about at www.trackfilm.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Jan. Great. So our film, you know, it was mm-hmm. uh, it was to- it was a miracle, quite frankly, still is. So I was going to visit my mom. She was staying in a – she had fallen, and so she was in a rehab um, facility, and I was having a conversation with God. I do that quite often. 
And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're just, I'm just like, dude, you know, this is before, I, you know, I just, I come back from Ethiopia, so this is in between and 2013-2014, and I'm like, dude, you're giving me all this stuff about trafficking, what do you want me to do, right? So I go in and I talk to my mom, I come back, and I'm driving down um, a road here in, in Orlando, and I hear documentary. I'm like, what are you talking about, right? So I go get gas, and it's much louder this time. So I go home, I open up my laptop, and I wrote the film in two days. It was a total download. And you got to get, I knew nothing about this topic when I wrote the film. And we got it produced, and we we premiered it in 2017 in New York. And the film takes the viewer on a journey of the intentional grooming, recruitment, manipulation of children by children. It does not have a happy ending, and it's designed that way because we won't we don't have it out online for people to see. Because I want to have a conversation with you afterwards, okay? I want to have the dialogue to be like, okay, now you know what this looks like. What are we going to do about it? And that's really what empowers our kids is when we start to have that kind of conversation of, all right, you're at the party, you're watching what's happening. What would you do if you were there? Because I'm a huge fan of Socratic method of education. I ask great questions, you do the thinking. And our kids have come up with some just some really great solutions of what they would do. And to me, when you give someone the gift of discovery and developing their own solution and their own answer, it's theirs forever. It'll never go away. And that's really what we build on inside our conversations with our young people is after the film, you know, we have that kind of conversation. We talk about bystanders and the bystander effect. And now that you know what this looks like, you can't be a bystander anymore. It just doesn't work, right? You can't do that. Now you know what happens. What are you going to do about it, right? So it really positions our young people in a way for them to feel empowered, knowing what's happening, and to take a safe action. And some of the things we talk to our kids and coach our kids about is, you know, I, I, I'll ask the question, how many of you know the young people that, you know, your classmates that eat lunch alone? And they all nod their heads. They know exactly who I'm talking about. And I said, so I'm going to invite you to take on something a little risky. It's going to risk your social credibility. You know, and they all kind of look at me, and I said, I said I'm going to invite you to go sit and have lunch with a child that you don't know that sits alone. And that, you know, that you can kind of see them nodding, and I'll ask, I said, what do you think that's going to do for that child? And it's always someone in the back answering the question, and they'll say, someone noticed them. I said, exactly. I said, you don't have to talk to them, but I promise you, if you do that once or twice a week for a couple of weeks, they're going to start to open up and talk to you. Now, nothing may be wrong at home. Maybe they're just really shy and introverted. Or... That's how they avoid having to tell anybody what's happening in their life and for them to get the assistance that they need. Whether it's happening at home, they could have lost a family member. We have no idea what's going on in people's lives, right? But sometimes just having another person being there can make all the difference in the world for someone. And that's really what we encourage our kids to do, you know, is to be that person for someone. And they do it because we go back and we do follow-up um, research. 
and, you know, 60% of our kids share what they learn with someone else. Now, to get a middle schooler to talk about anything is pretty awesome, but to have them talk about <laughs> human trafficking is pretty darn miraculous. <laughs> right? And, and then, you know, we give them the, we give them the hotline number. You know, we invite them like, look, if you see something that's off, you call the hotline number, which is 888. 3737-888. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's all anonymous. They have access to 210 languages, okay? So it doesn't matter what language you're speaking in, someone at some point in time is going to get on the phone and be able to understand you. And, and the first question they'll ask is, are you okay? And then you say, yes, but I'm on the corner of X and Y, and I'm at, you know, CDF convenience store. And this is what I'm seeing. And then they'll direct you to the next place to be. They'll either connect you with local law enforcement or they'll take all the information down. And what I ask people to do is I said, I, I want you to be safe, Robert. I want you to be there for your family and your friends, right? Don't go in. It's, that is most men, they want to go. It's like don't go in, right? <laughs> there are people that are trained to do that. Get the license plate number. Get the best description you can get. Take a picture if you can. And, you know, call the police. And I tell people, however, if you see someone being stuffed into a car or, you know, physically hit or abused, you pick up the phone and you call 911. And, again, same thing. Take a picture. You know, I want you to be safe. And there's an action you can take that could potentially save a life. And that's what we want our young people to do and our parents to do and our community to do is just take that action, stop being a bystander, stop videotaping someone being abused, call 911, and help save a life. Yeah, that's real important. You know, be a, an attempted hero, <laughs> yeah, by getting involved yeah. in, in mm -mm. things difficult. I mean, I was, no, I'm, yeah. You, you want to be around to be able to do it again for another time. You know, we've got yeah. to start standing up together to really be empowered, you know, and, and that's why they, you know, a long time ago in a land far, far away when people, strangers would do CPR on someone and someone, you know, would have, and it didn't make the difference. Families could turn around and sue that person. Well, they actually passed the law, but you can't do that anymore, right? It just makes no sense. The person tried to save your, save your family member, and you're going to turn around and sue them? No, no, stop doing that. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Stop videotaping. Just stop it. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so someone wants to have proof. Not a problem. One of you can do that. The rest of you need to stop this person from raping this woman. Do that. Yeah. Stop that action. Right? Pin them down. Hold them down until the police get there. Like, whatever that is. You know, so there's a fine line between, and I, you know, look, I go in. If I lose my life saving someone else's life, so be it. I don't expect others to be no. that way. Nor do I encourage it, right? That's not my point. My point is 
There's things you can do, like call the hotline, call 911, or interrupt abuse that you can still stay safe and save the other person. And that's really what it's about. Yeah, you know, the, in today's society, you know, with, you know, with social media and the, with the internet and the interconnectedness of everything, um, it seems that, um, there has been, there's, there's like an increased focus on getting attention or, you know, uh, being, you know, the center of attention versus, you know, compassion. I mean, you know, you know that the, that good Samaritan law would help, you know, kind of prevented people from being sued after helping something. You know, that's, you know, yeah. that's a good way of um, encouraging others to see something wrong, to do something. Like you said, you know, Absolutely. see something, do something. Absolutely. And um, how, how do we combat that? I mean, is it just basically on an individual level that we emulate the behaviors and actions for others? Absolutely. You know, we we are tribal. We are tribal. Yeah. You know, and and by watching other people stand up for others, and you know be recognized for that have the mm-hmm. everyday hero opportunity because you know if i have lots of money and lots of resources it's easier for me to do that than it is for not however if we can empower a generation you know generation z to bring that empathy forward into the world and mm-hmm. just stop hurting one another our whole world would alter. Everything oh, yeah. would alter if our kids just stood up and said, "No, we're not. We're not going to do that anymore. It's not okay for you to bully him because, you know, whatever. It's not okay for you to online cyber bully her because of whatever. Right? That's not okay. You're not. In, you're entitled to your opinion. However, if it intentionally harms someone. You've got to stop for a moment and check it. We can all have our own opinions. It doesn't mean we actually have to put them on loudspeaker. <laughs> you know, that could maybe harm someone. We don't want to hurt people. We really don't because we know what it's like to be hurt. And when someone's harmed over and over and over again, it can actually shut off that empathy piece. We don't ever want that yeah. piece to be shut off. You know? Yeah. We want people to yeah, have empathy passion for one another and that's really you know the more people that start to stand with survivors the more people that stand up for those that have been trodden down and I'm not talking violent action I'm just talking about interrupting you know when we talk to young more and with young boys and I say look I said, you now know what this looks like. And I'll ask, how many of you have a younger sibling? You know, generally about three-quarters of the room will raise their hand. I'll say, great, now let me ask you a question. Do you want your younger brothers or younger sisters inappropriate picture on your buddy's phone? And they'll all get squirmy and be like, no, no, no. I'm like, okay, great. So stop asking. 
and then they'll get squirmier again, right? But they get it. And he said, look, when you're in the locker room and some guy says, hey, did you check out the blah, blah, blah on so-and-so? I said, right then and there, you've got a choice. You can pause and go, dude, that's so not cool. That's my sister's best friend. I get we're all hormonal, and that's not okay that you say that in this group. Be that guy. I go, now you might get some flack, and you might be called names, but here's the thing. You just stood up for another young person, a woman. Now those guys know yeah. who you are, and they might go around and tell the school, oh, yeah, well, so-and-so is such-and-such. Great. I'll be that all day long instead yeah. of being that. You know, and saying with the girls. Yeah. Like, we've got to stand up for one another. If somebody sends a picture of some girl, you got to get to the source and be like, stop that. That's not okay. Stop mm-hmm. bullying her. She didn't know. She trusted this guy. You know, stop making the assumptions and start having conversations. At, at 14 and 15, they're capable of doing that. They are. Yeah. You know, to stand yeah. up for their, you know, and the beautiful part about our curriculum is they have the feels for that character in the film. They, they can watch, they watch the story. And it's like, that's what it feels like. You can interrupt yeah. that. You can stop that. You can be an everyday hero. Nobody needs to know, or everyone can know. You get to say. And they get it. They so get it. And it's because we're willing to go in and have this dialogue with our kids. And that's why we want our yeah. parents to be empowered. So they can start having a conversation. We want our kids to be empowered so they can disrupt the stuff that's happening online. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and that one child that stands up to, you know, to it, uh, protecting maybe a sibling, you know, that, that mm-hmm. person, that may be son, my son has been kind of prudish or whatever, but the, the, also, the same line is is that that person, that book, is um, loyal and empathetic. And, you know, so many um, positive attributes, you know, that, you know, mm-hmm. that if, you know, if the kids kind of can get away from the idea of, well, let me put this way, if they're made aware that such actions bring about a positive um, image for them that that, you know, that can, I think, um, help um, motivate those who may be reluctant to do something. Recognize, yeah, I mean, it is the right thing to do, but in addition to that, you know, this is kind of what you're showing. Um, so I, yeah. I guess, it's, you know, maybe you can show it as being a character builder, you know, kind of. Absolutely. Um, Well, and the other thing, too, is thinking about it while you were talking. Um, You know, our kids love superheroes. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a reason why DC keeps remaking Batman. (laughs) I'm not quite sure how many we need, right? But they keep remaking Batman. There's a reason why, you know. He's the Dark Knight. He's a hero, right? He he has a no-kill policy. 
That's his thing, right? You've got Superman. You've got Green Lantern. You have all these superheroes, Wonder Woman, Superwoman, um, you know, all of those superheroes, Spider-Man. Our kids want to be heroes. It's a really simple way to do that, right? Stand up for someone else. If you and, and even in the video games, you know, my daughter used to play Destiny is there was always a bad guy to go after. And when you won and when you, quote, quote, killed the bad guy or the the alien or whatever, you know, you were hailed as a hero, right? So mm-hmm. deep, deep down inside, you really do want to do the right thing. It's a matter of bringing that forth out into this world and really having young people understand that they can be that. It doesn't take yeah. a cake and it doesn't take – a souped-up car, and it doesn't take superpowers. All it takes is one conversation, and that can literally save a life. Exactly. Well, gosh, Jan, we're down towards the end of the show. So how can listeners help you with your permission? Sure. Well, they can go to our website, which is pavingthewayfoundation.org. There's a contact button. They can reach out to us there. We'd love to come out to your schools. We have 45 mission ambassadors around the country that love to go out and talk to young people and parents. They can also download our parent toolkit. They go to pavingthewayfoundation.org, and under programs, there's the parent toolkit, and they can download that. And it's a great way to start conversations with young people. And then on social media, we're at Paving W, both on Facebook and Instagram, and on LinkedIn, it's Paving the Way Foundation. And, you know, we love sharing information. And if this radio show has made a difference for you, if you've taken any of the tools and used them and had the conversation with your kids, we love to hear about that. We love to hear the difference that we get to make. Because when we go into schools and we have the dialogue, you know, we really don't get any feedback afterwards. You know, we do do a six-month survey, and that's really it. So, you know, we love knowing the difference that we make because that's really is what fuels us to keep going, is that it's working and it's making a difference, and young people are sending inappropriate pictures to strangers. They interrupt. Yeah. They disrupt the cycle, and that's what we want. Excellent. Well, Jan, thank you for your time today. Um, I am so glad that we had the time to talk and and become more aware. Um, and I uh, hope people do get take some action, you know, when they see something and do something. So I want to thank Me you too. for your time and thank you. Oh. Really, that's, thank you uh, um, so much, Robert. It was such a pleasure. It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm glad that there are warriors like you out there. <laughs> Give me hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You have a good day. You too. Okay. Again, everyone, today the topic was leading the way in preventing child sex trafficking with Jan Edwards. Um, Again, you can find out more by visiting her website, www.pavingthewayfoundation.org. And you can also find out about the film by visiting www.trappedfilm.com. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. 
You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.